Welcome to the Circle City Cinema with your beloved host and the one and only Zach Griffith, a part of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello! Welcome into Circle City Cinema. I am your host, Zach Griffith, and I'm joined as always on the WandaVision episodes here by the founder... Alex Burr. Hey, Zach, uh, you know, it's crazy because a couple of days ago was our anniversary of doing our first podcast together. And now we're we're doing a weekly series on WandaVision. It's it's incredible how far we've come. <laughs> come a long way. And Alex, I got I to gotta ask you a favor here. I need you to tell the listeners what I'm wearing right now. You're wearing a DeMontis Sabonis. Is that, is that a, that's actual jersey. That's actual jersey. He he was selected as an injury replacement. It's funny. You guys have a way on battleground of so that we're record, we record these on Saturdays. They come out on Mondays. The battleground has a like eerie premonition of things that are going to happen because it feels like you guys talked about Carson Wentz on the show and then the next day he was traded. Literally as soon as the episode was coming out, and then. On Friday, the episode came out at about noon. And then a couple hours later, DeMontis Savonis was selected as the injury replacement for Kevin Durant. Just crazy. You guys are like some fucking, you guys are some, uh, some Oracle, are some Scarlet right? Witches, I'll say. <laughs> Tie it back into the episode. You know, that's what they call us over at uh, at the Battleground. And, you know, it's a coward's justice getting Savonis in, in the uh, All-Star game, but I'll take it. I'll take it. You, to, be, to be fair, Zach, though, to be fair, we agreed that there was like 22 like all-star candidates in the East this year. It was tough. That was a lot, but the Vucevic thing irked me the wrong way. It irked me the wrong way. <laughs> you know I had neither Vucevic or Sabonis on my team, so I, you couldn't, I couldn't irk your ire in that way. And Alex, I know I've, I have this theory about you. You say you're not a Bulls fan, but I think you're in the closet as a Bulls fan. So, and you, you have uh, one of your own in the all-star game, Zach Levine. Zach Levine, you know, hey, uh, Seattle Ray Allen. That's that's what I'm saying. I, just, I love the way he plays. I like players more than I like teams, generally speaking. Not good at defense, but he tries. That's all you can ask for. When he's on a good team, he will be a good defensive player. Mark my words. When he's on a good team. Hey, trade will for that be the Bulls. Nah, probably not. But <laughs> I don't know. You stick him on the Grizzlies or the Nuggets. Get him some defensive principles. He's on a cheap contract. Let me Zach Levine contract. I believe he's only making nineteen million a year. So, so to get Vooch, do you trade uh, Wendell? Wendell in I, that deal? I trade Wendell and Otto Porter Jr. Because you have this dead weight salary. Because Otto Porter Jr. I don't remember the last time I've seen him on a basketball court. It's a bad deal. It's a bad deal. And to be fair, the Nets signed it when they were fucking with the Wizards all those years ago. And the Wizards fell for it. You're kidding me. <laughs> You're kidding me, Alex. <laughs> well, it was like appease John Wall or and Bradley Beal. Although Bradley Beal is only like in the first year off of his rookie contract, but is yeah. uh is Hachimura already better than Porter was on the uh Wizards? No. <laughs> Porter was actually good on the Wizards. I I will grant him this. <laughs> but on the Bulls, he has been um just trying to slander his name. Let's see. You know, one year he averaged 15 points a game on 44% from three, Zach. That's pretty good. It's not bad. It's pretty good. I'll say. I don't know. But uh, that's my theory about you. You're you've always been a Bulls fan. You're just you're 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 in the closet about it. You know. I despise them. You're 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 a fan. Come on, you're a fan. <laughs> I you're despised. <laughs> Listen, they traded my favorite player. 
Jimmy? Yeah, they traded my favorite player, Jimmy. Once they did that, I was done. Trade him for Zach Levine, though. Yeah, I mean that that kind of worked out, but I mean and they Chris also tra- Chris Dunn. They traded a first round pick to the Wolves. I remember that on draft night, twenty seventeen. That's a like- horrible night for me, but uh, not that eh, could have been worse for you guys. Could have been worse. TJ Leaf. Uh, let's move on before we yes. before we so so discord between each other. <laughs> uh, so this uh, this was episode eight, the penultimate episode of the miniseries, and. Uh, Alex, I think we both agree. Most emotional episode so far. I had to put on what, like, I don't watch The Simpsons regularly, but I had to watch an episode of The Simpsons and an episode of the, the old Muppet show to get myself in the mood to do this podcast after watching it the second time. It's like, we'll talk about it more later, but oh my God. <laughs> it's, I mean, you get a lot of questions answered about how the hex, you know, in terms of how the hex was created. Uh, we get some visualizations of events that we knew about that were mentioned previously in the MCU, but had never actually seen them. Uh, so that was cool. Um, but I want your thoughts. I think we might have some, uh, speaking of discord, Alex, I think we might have some here. Uh, you voiced your, uh, not so favorable opinions of, uh, the specific focus towards just one storyline in this, uh, episode, the Wanda and Agatha storyline. Listen, I thought, okay, they kind of played Agatha in two ways in this episode, and I'm curious to see if you agree or disagree. On one hand, she seems to be purely evil, who just mercs all her other witches, her witch friends in Salem in 1693, and we'll talk about that. (laughs) But on the other, she's like, you got to go forward, you got to go backward to move forward, right? Like... And then at the end of the episode, she is, like, trying to kill Wanda. So, to me, tonally, the whole Agatha part of the episode kind of threw me off. Because it felt like... What's the right way to phrase this? The end of the episode... I'm not going to say cheapened what was in the episode, because, again, I wrote down, Zach, I wrote down the lines that made me sad. (laughs) Like I wrote that down because there were some that just really hit me in the soul, but like, and yes, you kind of had the hints that she was evil and she was being sarcastic at some of Wanda's sad memories, but like, I don't know. Like I'm not, again, not saying it cheapened, but it kind of, it put an evil tinge on what should have been a sad backstory. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I agree with that part of it. I definitely agree with that. I thought it was kind of a, from Agatha's point of view, kind of a microcosm of what she's been doing this whole time. She acts like she's uh, trying to help Wanda figure it out, but she has uh, some evil intentions of her own. And this time, this time's different because we know she's evil for sure. But it's it's really the first time since the first two episodes that the focus of the uh, show has been on just one storyline. So I kind of thought that was refreshing, a little easier to follow. Uh, you were upset that uh, uh, Monica Rambo did not make an appearance. No, and I get it. You know, this is what happens when you do week to week. So you can't just input everything in your brain all at once. You know, you need to build suspense. And But at the same time, you know, like, I just would have liked to see Monica because she just got these new powers. I wanted to see her use them. 
But given the direction of the episode, I can't be 100% mad at it. I'm only 60% mad at it, I'll say. It's... I th- it definitely made sense why she wasn't in it because they had a lot to explain in this episode, which I thought they were going to wait to do until the last episode, but they chose this one to do it. Uh, but we're de- I think it's safe to assume we're definitely going to see those powers of Monica's uh, next episode because de- they're going to need them. They're going to need them. So, okay. Spo- spoilers for The Sopranos if you haven't seen the, the Sopranos. Season 6, at the end of Season 6, Part 2, which I guess you could technically call Season 7, but whatever. Yeah. They basically are building up to this war for the whole season, right? Like, it's just war with New York, war with New York. And it doesn't actually happen till almost the end of the season. Like, that's... And then the last episode, you know, again, spoiler if you haven't seen The Sopranos, they kill Phil Leotardo in, like, a really anticlimactic way. And because I, but obviously David Chase isn't writing the series, and David Chase's particular set of neuroses is writing the series. <laughs> but this kind of feels similar to me in that way, where they're just building up the tension for the eight episodes, and then the last episode, it's going to get all released into a major action sequence. Now in the Sopranos, it was the second to last episode where all the action happened. But you, you see where I'm going with this, Zach? Yeah, I do. I see where you're going with it. It's a, it's a really good connection, honestly. Um, but uh, this was the longest episode so far um the total runtime of the series at this point is four hours 52 minutes it was reported a couple weeks ago that the total runtime would be around six hours and it was reported today actually when recording this on the 27th uh the finale runtime is going to be 50 minutes we don't know if that report's 100% true but the guy who reported it also got the last two runtimes correct so we're we're gonna hedge our bets there by saying the last episode will be fifty minutes. Some cautious optimism. But even if it is fifty minutes, that still feels a little short to me, Zach. Like I feel like I agree. The extra ten minutes could go a long way because, as we'll talk about more in the episode, this episode and the last episode set up so much that is gonna happen, and we just need to know, like. It feels like fifty minutes might be a little too short. I'll see till I'll wait till next week to make my final judgment. But sitting from where I sit now, I think there's a possibility it could be too short. Yeah, I'll, gut feeling for right now for me says it's too short. I think it should be hour, hour ten minutes. But uh, I'm I'm gonna be like you and wait, wait until uh, next week to make that final judgment. But uh, a lot of theories and questions answered this week, Alex. And really, the only one left is uh, who's the cameo gonna be? The cameo we've heard so much about. I mean, listen, I'm I'm just putting all my eggs in the fast bender basket. I Me too. I'm going all in on some form of magneto. Yeah, that's that was what I was gonna say. Either McKellen or, or Fastbender. I will say I doubt they pull Ian McKellen out for this just because like there's a lot of things that the good sir McKellen could be doing with his time. <laughs> but some form of magneto. That's that's my guess of who's going to be the kid this this so hyped up cameo to the moon. Like we've heard so much about this fucking cameo. (laughs) Well, when you compare it to Luke Skywalker and the Mandalorian, um, God damn it, Elizabeth, it better live up. That's all I'm going to say. It better live up. That's, uh, (laughs) that's quite a comp to make. But, uh, if the, if I, if they did make it Ian McKellen's Magneto, I think they'd have to like do some minor retconning and make him, uh, the grandfather of, of um 
Wanda because uh, he's a, he's pushing like eighty five years old. So <laughs> really, you can't see you can't see Ian McKellen being twenty year old Wanda's mother or father. Excuse me, God. And even if they did Fastbender, like he's only uh, he can't be that much older than Elizabeth Olsen. Like maybe That's... ten years at the most. Ten years older than her. Do you think if I look up Mikey Fast, it'll be no, no, it won't no, be. won't come up. No, it won't come up. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> Michael Fassbender. Let's see. He is 43 years old. Elizabeth Olsen cannot be that old. No, she's 30. But not that much younger. No, she's 32. You put some makeup on either. Because remember, Elizabeth Olsen is supposed to be playing like a 20-year-old. And like. Give Fassbender she- some white hair. Give him the Steve Jobs makeover. Exactly. Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that is probably the best bet. Um, I honestly thought we might get Mephisto because the way Agatha was playing with that fly. Because Mephisto takes the form of a fly in the book, so mm. thought maybe he would change uh, into himself, but it didn't happen. So I think the rabbit might be Mephisto. and I know this is weird, but the way she talks to the rabbit. It- right. And the rabbit also ate the ate the bird, right? So, if I had one theory, it would be that the rabbit, uh, Senior Scratchy, which is, <laughs> <laughs> which, I guess, I guess witches probably don't have political correctness, but that seems like a little seems a little problematic from Agatha Harkness. There, it does seem a little problematic. Uh, I don't unless I don't. I've never owned a rabbit. But I don't think uh, you don't think they're Spanish. I don't think birds are on the menu for their uh, their diets. <laughs> Could be wrong. If somebody uh, when we post this, correct me if I'm wrong. Somebody, if you know, but I I don't think I am. Uh, but here's the plot, guys. Alex, here's here's the plot. I'm gonna run through it real quick. Uh, we get the Agatha Harkness origin story. Uh, she wipes out some fellow witches in 1693 Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, tough year for for witchcraft in 1693. Very tough. I always thought it was 1692. <laughs> I'd, I'd always heard 1692 was the Salem witch trials. The 1690s as a whole, but tough, tough break for witchcraft and wizardry. Really tough. You know, Harry Potter would have never survived in Salem, Massachusetts. <laughs> Not a chance. Uh, Hermione Granger would not have been welcome in Salem, Massachusetts. Hermione Granger was smarter than Harry, though, so she probably would have gotten her way out of there. Oh, Harry would have been dead and buried if he hadn't met uh, Hermione. Agatha reveals she was never under Wanda's control, which uh, we kind of learned at the end of the last episode. Uh, but she's very impressed with Wanda's abilities. She's never seen anything like this. She said when she sensed all the spells that were going on in Westview, she just had to come and see what it was about. And uh, she wants to know how Wanda created the hex. She's never, never seen anything quite as powerful as this. Um, and then the flashbacks begin. Agatha takes Wanda back in time to revisit some memories to see if she can unlock how she created the hex. Wanda's childhood in Sokovia is the first flashback. Uh, we get some background on the sitcoms and how that influenced Wanda. It uh, explains the Hex's settings, really. And then 
the Stark Industries miss, missile is uh, visualized for the first time. We learned about that in Age of Ultron, and now we uh, finally see it. And then the next one, Wanda gets her powers from Loki's scepter, a.k.a. the Mind Stone. And if you look closely, uh, I noticed this on second viewing, she sees herself as the Scarlet Witch in the stone. Mm. So that was pretty cool. Um, she's the only Hydra subject to survive direct contact with the stone until her brother also does the same. Uh, Wanda and Vision is the next uh, flashback at Avengers Compound. They're watching uh, Malcolm in the Middle together. It takes place shortly after Age of Ultron when Pietro has died. Uh, Vision tries to comfort Wanda and relate to her on a human level. And honestly, my pick for the best acting in the entire series so far. Are you talking about entire series of WandaVision or entire series of movies because or MCU? Because it's in the conversation. Uh, WandaVision, definitely. Definitely the best acting so far. Like, I mean, let's be real here. We're not coming to the MCU for, you know, Brando level acting. But no, we're not. My God, like that was honestly very poignant. Now, I'll, I'll get to what my comparison from or where I have it ranked in terms of just memorable MCU lines. I think you'll be surprised where I have it, but continue on with the plot point, Zach. Um, then Wanda, this is maybe the most uh, revealing flashback here. Wanda goes to see Vision's body at S.W.O.R.D. shortly after the Endgame events. Uh, Hayward, that schmuck Hayward, shows Wanda the body being torn apart. And Wanda says... She's not there to bring Vision back to life, even though Hayward says she has the power to do so. Um, Wanda, we find out, did not take Vision's body as Hayward had previously claimed. Alex, some uh, some points for your Hayward theory. I told you he's not incompetent. He's evil. Like, <laughs> I called that, didn't I? That you, was- you might. I think we have to say you're right at this point, especially with the white Vision revealed at the end. I think we have to say you're you're correct. With the, with the Hayward theory. I Listen, <laughs> I always knew something like... Two for two on theories. Listen, uh, three for three, because I, I called Monica getting powers, remember? Oh, yeah, you did. Yep. Yep. So... Trifecta. Listen, this episode was a, like... Uh, he's just a dick, first of all. And I think you have that in the notes. Yes. But... I do. Like a raging asshole who... If you want to look at it through rose-colored glasses, he has good intentions, right? <laughs> yes, this has the potential to be a two, like, however many billion dollars super weapon. Yes, yeah. he isn't technically wrong. But <laughs> she's grieving, you fuck. <laughs> like... I will say before we get back to our like our points we were talking about in the last few episodes how like the show you we thought was maybe priming to paint wanda as the villain i think this episode showed like if you really 100 percent thought that which i don't think we ever did because we knew that wanda was always going to be a hero i think that this was like a necessary episode so that the audience didn't probably turn on wanda and I thought that the way they executed it was 1000% like, on point. But continue on with the plot point, Zach. Totally correct. Totally correct. Um, and I did have Hayward is a dick in the notes. I The question was, is it possible for Hayward to be any more of a dick? And I don't think so. 
I really don't think so. Uh, but anyway, the next flashback. After uh, the debacle at Sword, Wanda arrives in Westview. She goes to a house that uh, she and Vision had picked out as their own. And just uh, really, maybe the biggest display of power we've ever seen in the MCU. She creates the Hex herself. Uh, she creates the Vision that we know from this energy release. Just creates him out of nothing. Just makes him up on the spot. It was um, unbelievable. I honestly think the only display of power that could compare to this is either they both involve Thor. Either Thor holding open the star mm-hmm. or um, Thor learning he doesn't need uh, Mjolnir to wield uh, the power of thunder. So like either that or, you know, Quill harnessing the plane or power of ego yeah yeah that's up there like something it's up there it's probably number one she created a whole new like she created vision out of nothing out of shit she created vision out of nothing she made the cops believe that the town was called Eastview instead of westview yeah right and also i will say this scene explains why vision can't leave the hex because he is part of the hex. Part of the hex, yeah. He is the hex, basically. Yeah. For all intents and purposes. And so that answered that question. Um, let's go ahead and continue on with the plot points. So that way we can get more in depth because I really want to get in depth on this yeah, episode. Yeah. And then the last uh, couple things here Agatha is keeping Tommy and Billy hostage. We'll ask some questions about them later. Uh, the Scarlet Witch name drop. She is finally referenced by her uh, comic book name, The Scarlet Witch. And then the mid credit scene, uh, the second one in a row, actually, reveals the white Vision. The uh, They have brought Vision's corpse back online, and he's uh, it's uh, it's going to be a throwdown. So, yeah, yeah. What a, what, a, what a plot this episode. So we have Agatha and Fietro. I loved Fietro, by the way. <laughs> Catherine Hahn's jokes are still hitting, you know. Still, they're still coming through. Still, still hitting on a great level, but... So it's going to be Agatha and Pietro versus Wanda and Monica versus, or, and I guess you could throw vision in there as well versus Hayward and white vision. Do what, do I have that all correct in the next episode? That sounds about right. I'm thinking we get a little one-on-one vision versus vision action. I'm thinking probably so too. And I don't know. I think Hayward, he's definitely evil <laughs> to what yeah, extent I mean, we can't say the fact that he lied about first off lied to Monica and Jimmy and Darcy about how, uh, what happened to the body just straight up lied about that. And then has <laughs> been secretly harnessing a uh, power from the hex to bring the body back online. Just ridiculous. But uh, let's start yeah. with, let's start with Agatha here. So Agatha, I'll let you. I'll let you take this because you, you deserve to talk about everything Agatha <laughs> after nailing the theory. So, yeah, we begin the episode, and she. It looks like you know, if you see Salem sixteen ninety three with anyone you know as a witch, you're assuming that they're gonna get either burned at the stake <laughs> or something like that, right? <laughs> and apparently, action. Yeah, something like that. Like she's gonna, you know. Go if you want to see some fucked up shit. Go look at how they tested pe- people to see if they were witches in the 
the 17th century. <laughs> like it's it's fucked up in that it's horrible way to treat people, and it's also fucked up because it's just so fucking stupid. Oh. Like if you get thrown into water and you drown, then you're not a witch. But if you can swim, you're a witch. Does that make any sense, Sacrifice? If, if some no, and if somebody said uh if somebody accused you of being a witch, you're fucked. You're totally yeah. fucked. You're gonna die either way. It's just whether you die one less painful way or you die one incredibly more painful way. <laughs> so just honestly horrible and God, I don't feel like we've advanced much much as a race, but at least we're not throwing people in ponds and making sure they're not witches anymore. What at least we would. The, uh, what would the uh, NBA equivalent of throwing a witch into the water be? Oh God. Um. Throwing Gogo Batazi into the fire in a playoff game? No. <laughs> I would say this is this is only for like my, the viewing audience, right? Before they changed the hack-a-shack rules, when it was a really a problem when like during Clippers games when they would just foul DeAndre Jordan. That sucked, dude. It was terrible. It was stupid because you just kept giving them opportunities at the free throw and line. the Clippers were on TV all the time, so it was tough, tough to watch. You couldn't watch a Magic game slash Rockets game slash what the other four teams that Dwight jumped around to before they. I think they changed the rules actually while he was in Houston, but that them changing that rule to where if you foul somebody like that in the last two minutes, you get uh, one free throw and the ball that like, yes, the rule is still not perfect, but Oh my God, it's so much better. Wasn't it used to be total improvement, total improvement. But I, I would say that's the comparison. I like it. I like the comp for, for my eyes, but <laughs> yeah. So they get to the, um, they get to the pyre. They tie her up with magic, which is your first indication that this isn't what you think it's going to be. And then they're like at her, apparently her mother, this scene was given like little to no introduction. I honestly kind of thought it was unnecessary um, because we know she's a witch. We don't need to know where she got her powers from, I guess. And this is kind of the whole point of the scene. Yeah. But her mother's basically like, we're going to take your powers away. And instead of taking their powers away, Agatha basically sucks away about 10 witches' life forces. Right. Is basically the way I'd summarize it. And uh, Zach, I'm just going to ask you, do you agree with me that this scene was a little unnecessary? Um, uh, I think it was necessary in that it showed us that Agatha is not going to be a pushover adversary for Wanda. That's fair. It showed... It showed uh, she's pretty powerful. Def- definitely not close to Wanda's level, but um, still, she kept her captive and uh, wiped out like seven witches right here. So uh, it was a unique way to open the episode. I'll say that. Yeah, I just kind of like, again, I'm not going to question them because I love this series and as a whole, it's brought me a whole lot of great enjoyment. I was just a little confused because we never go back. Like she never mentioned Salem again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's you also, would... it's yeah. That's yeah. And also like, I, I'm going to say most of the viewers had never heard of Agatha Harkness before until last episode. That's fair. So just a little origin story, but like, yeah. If you're going to make it so micro though, like spend like maybe a little more than five minutes on it. I would say maybe seven. Like, you know, show works causing some shit in like 1800 or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'll agree with you that it was a weird 
weird place to to explain her origin. If but, it was like later on in her uh, witchcraft career, if you will. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, maybe, you know, absorbing the life forces from those witches is what, you know, gives her the drive to succeed today. Then tell us that. Like, yeah. TV shows are the opposite of like real life. Like, you know, if you're teaching someone, show, don't tell. If you're on a TV show, tell, don't show. You've got a lot of dense motherfuckers out there, including right. myself. I'm not going to act like I'm the smartest person watching <laughs> watching WandaVision right now. I need some audio hints. You know what I mean? So what you're saying makes complete and total sense. I just feel like they could have probably explained it a little better. But um, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you about uh, the time they chose the show. I agree with you on that. And so let's go ahead and move on to the basement. So we we go back after this little sojourn to, to 1693 Salem. We go back to Agatha's basement where... Um, if you're not counting the song, this is where we left Wanda and Agatha at the end of the last episode. Which, by the way, the song that's a fucking makes catchy. charts. Yeah, the song is catchy. <laughs> I'm I'm singing it in my head right now as as I'm talking. But it's some so, yeah. charts. Unbelievable. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was crazy. Agatha. <laughs> Agatha reveals that she was never under Wanda's control and she does she reveals that even in this basement that they're in that Wanda can't use magic so this feels like an important important development that she can't just Wanda can't just blast her way out of this one she has to play by Agatha's rules for right now and then you know they go into the they go into the flashbacks after let me just let me just mourn over Doctor Strange probably not being in this show now. All the magic going on in this episode. <laughs> you have to wonder though. I actually, it's funny. I was listening to a Concepcion stream right before, like he was on Twitch, so I was watching him on Twitch, like literally right before we hopped on. Yeah. Um, he th- he posited that maybe he's doing something with a multiverse. I think that that's probably. Yeah, where he oh, it's definitely probable. His energies can't be focused on Westview, even though that's exactly what they need him for. But yes, R.I.P. to your you wanted Doctor Strange so badly, it's, and uh, it was a big yeah. You know, it's it's tough pill to swallow, but uh, <laughs> he's definitely if he's doing some of the multiverse, I get it. That's that take. I think that takes uh, priority over this. But uh, yeah, moving on to the next, the first flashback, Wanda in Sokovia. Um, what did you think of we kind of get the background of the American sitcoms that they used to watch together as a family the Maximoffs um, it, it just totally explains Wanda's inspiration for the Hex the thing that this episode makes clear and it answers this question is that sitcoms are Wanda's coping mechanism she like the like some people, right, have like comfort food. Some people like, you know, to go get some kind of candy bar if they're feeling sad, you know, or like some people like to go like go on a jog if they're feeling sad, right? Something that just helps them feel, get away from their problems. And it's yeah. clear going through these flashbacks that sitcoms are the through line. And what makes it even sadder is that these sitcoms are a tradition with our parents, right? Right. And we'll get into that in a second, but the sitcoms clearly have some kind of just absolutely fucking deep meaning to them for Wanda Maximoff because 
they, you know, they just mean so much. And actually, I'll go ahead and read the first of my my quotes from WandaVision that made me incredibly sad. So, yeah, you know, but- the the bombs go through the apartment. The apartment just becomes fucked. It's just her and Pietro. Her parents are dead. Um, she's sitting under the table as the as the, another warhead comes in that you referenced earlier, the one from Age of Ultron. And she just says, at the end of the episode, you realize it was all a bad dream. None of it was real. And it's just like, it hits you like a ton of bricks, man. She's, it's so, like, it's so fucking sad. This episode is so sad. <laughs> and one thing these flashbacks did, if I mean, if you didn't know already, Wanda's existence totally defined by loss, totally mm-hmm. defined by loss. I mean, she's lost her parents. She's lost her brother. She's lost uh, basically her husband, Vision. Uh, I think I think she's going to lose her kids. Like, this is... It's tough. It's tough. And you get... I just thought this, this flashback in particular, all of them did a good job. But this one in particular showed us uh, that these, uh, these motivations and inspirations for her are really deep-seated. Really deep-seated. Agreed. And started early on in her life. But, uh, yeah, you brought up the Stark Industries missile. We had heard about this when uh, Quicksilver and Wanda were teamed up with Ultron how this is why they were fighting against the Avengers. I mean, the Avengers in their mind, the Avengers killed their parents. Oh yeah. Um, do you think that to, to kind of stay on topic, but kind of go a little bit off topic. Do you think that Wanda stopped the bomb from going off? Do you think that she showed her powers from a young age like that? You know, they kind of, I don't know if they meant to do it, but it's seemed like it was kind of inferred, especially near the end of this flashback. But I, I I don't know. I'm more inclined to think that it was just defective. It might be dumb for me of, me of me to think that, but I think it was a defective missile. And also, just from my vantage point, it did seem like Pietro rushed them out of there, like out from under the table. Yeah. With the super speed. So, dormant mutant genes, maybe? Maybe well, this is... Yeah, yes, probably dormant. Yeah, this is what I think. Feel like this is going to be one of the ways where they get mutants into the MCU. It's like you have these two people who have mutant powers, and the Mind Stone awakened them, right? Yeah, I think that could that that seems to me one of the ways where they're gonna in like they're gonna import. Well, if I'm not mistaken, that is uh how they explained Wanda got her powers in Age of Ultron. She touched the. Infinity Stone. Yeah, let's actually go ahead and move on to that scene. So, I actually didn't notice. So, you know, she's in the Hydra part of it. She goes to volunteer for Hydra, which, you know, technically, <laughs> I mean, at this point, who in the MCU hasn't worked for Hydra at one point or another? Let's be everybody real has. Here. Everybody's taking a paycheck from Hydra. <laughs> Captain America has taken more than he would care to admit. Um, <laughs> I thought bringing it full circle in. In Endgame with him saying Hail Hydra was perfect. Did anyone take more? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone take more paychecks than Nick Fury? No. Yeah. He like ran the or, place. Or um, what's Peggy Carter, right? That's. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, she probably did take more. She probably did. Hank Pym. 
Hank Penn took some. But not as many as Fury or Howard Stark because he quit in righteous indignation. <laughs> Black Widow took a lot of paychecks. <laughs> but what did you think of just the whole scene of Wanda interacting with the, the Mind Stone? Oh, I loved it. And I'm glad on the second watch, um, you I mean, that's what I thought it was. It was like a silhouette of the Scarlet Witch in the Mind Stone. I just thought it was awesome. I, well, the one thing I loved about these flashbacks was we got to see a bunch of shit that we knew about but had ne- actually never seen. And her getting her powers or awakening her powers in this scene, however you want to look at it, I just thought it was awesome. Uh, it wasn't my favorite flashback, but it was one of them. And I, I love I the scene. I love the scene. One of the things before we move on, because I feel like we don't need to talk about the only Hydra subject to survive direct contact with the stone. Because let's face it, they weren't uh, they weren't alpha enough. Um, <laughs> but they didn't, they didn't have it in them. They just didn't have it in them. I will say one of the things I noticed, just a recurring theme throughout the flashbacks. What does she have on in her cell? Or what are we gonna call it a cell? Are we gonna call it like a room? She had on the Brady Bunch. Nope. And. You know, we see the sitcoms that inspired Wanda all throughout this all throughout this episode. And I thought that was, you know, just sitcoms like it makes sense now why every episode was a sitcom before this. Yeah, that was uh, maybe the most satisfying thing this episode, just because that was a I mean, we knew that was going to be a big theme before the show even premiered. And uh, finally, an explanation as to why that is. But uh, yeah, great point. Great point. And then uh, moving on, the Wanda and Vision meet at the Avengers compound. Again, this is shortly after all the shit went down in Age of Ultron. Uh, and yet another sitcom, Alex. They're watching Malcolm in the Middle together. Um, and I, I, uh, I'll let you take it. You said you had a opinion on the acting in this scene. So just the way they interact with each other, like Vision is trying, right? Like he hasn't been sentient for very long but he's trying his best and he's trying to comfort wanda and just everything that wanda says in the scene damn near breaks my heart so the first thing she says is he you know like visions like you know maybe you should talk about it and later maybe we'll comfort you and she said the only thing that would bring me comfort is seeing him again referring to pietro right like i thought that was really powerful yep and then she like she's like she just apologizes because and she goes, I'm sorry, I'm so tired. And she goes, it can't all be sorrow, can it? After she like makes a perfect illustration of like the waves in her head just knocking her down. And then she tries to get back up and they knock her down again. And I, before I move on to the next line that re- that's pro- going all around Twitter and rightfully so, because it's a, honestly a beautiful line. Yeah, it is. Those, those two, like... I struggle, you know, sometimes like I haven't had a major loss, but, you know, even like sometimes just in my own life, you know, we all, we all go through depression and like even like the person with mild depression can relate to what what Wanda is saying here. Like it's it's tough. It's tough. And she is going through extreme grief. She's lost practically everyone she's close to. Yep. And then this is the line of the episode right here. Vision, you know, they're talking about this and Wanda expresses all these feelings and he says, but what is grief if not love persevering? And Zach, I think outside of the last line 
from Killmonger and Black Panther. That might be the best like single line in the whole MCU. I think that it is just because it like in terms of depth, totally, totally. Like in terms of shit that actually matters, right? And I thought it was like beautiful as a way to describe it. It's heartbreaking. Like just the poignancy of it. It's so true. And I didn't think I'd ever see something like this emotionally deep in a Marvel show. And I thought they, they handled that really well. Like even Agatha shed a tear after she, after yeah. Vision said that, like, you know, the supposed heartless protagonist of the show, she hears that line and she sheds a tear. Like, I think that this line is going to go down in the MCU hall of fame. Like, Oh like, yeah. People are going to remember it forever. And rightfully so. Like, I think that to me, just like, I don't know why it resonated with me so much, but damn, if it just doesn't hit you right in your soul, you're, you're heartless. You're, you're a fucking monster. There's no other way to describe it. So that's what I have to say. It was a beautiful scene. Like I said earlier, my pick for the best acting in the entire series, WandaVision series so far, I don't think it's close. Um, in terms of uh, best acting in the whole MCU, my guts is top five for a yeah. single scene, top five. I still think the scene with Chadwick and uh, Michael B. Jordan at the top of the looking at the sunset. Yeah. I think that's number one for me because that's, that's again, way up there. it's way up there. And then you could go through the list, right? Like, I think that, I don't know, but just in terms of like actual just acting, like acting your asses off. You know what is low key a good one is uh, another one from Black Panther, the start of the movie, the flashback, mm-hmm. with, uh, Sterling K. Brown and a young T'Chaka. Yeah. Yeah. Black Panther, Black Panther, I underrated it a lot. And I don't know why, because I love the movie, but it's just like, I, it had been a while since I watched it and paid like a whole lot of attention to it. But man, that movie's tough, especially after watching it after Chadwick died. That was tough. Yeah. That makes it a lot tougher, but um, this, I mean, it's way up there. It's way up there in terms of acting, I think. But like I said, best acting in WandaVision, not, not even close. I don't even know what touches it. Um, I thought this was also a great scene because vision, you know, he's not human. He's even got a little bit of evil in him with Ultron, but he's he's trying. He's doing something Ultron never would, and it shows the difference between him and Ultron. He's like he's like trying to relate to the humans, trying to relate to Wanda, trying to even comfort her. Ultron just would never do that. Yeah, he would never. He would he would have killed her by now. That's just so Vision really uh, showing he can make his own choices. Yeah, Vision is, I mean, he's the MVP of this episode just for that line alone. I mean, Paul Bettany cr- throwing 150 miles an hour this episode. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, a dude should not be that good, like that emotionally emotionally succinct, succinct and poignant in fucking red makeup like that. Like, yeah. that's makeup on his face, not CG. Yeah, yep. I mean, it just—it was his only scene in the episode, and goddamn, that he hit it out of the park. Goddamn, that was—it was great. Um, and then uh, the last, maybe the most uh, surprising 
flashback in terms of what is actually we get some truth in this flashback uh wanda goes back to sword to take vision's body away and uh we learn that hayward has not been uh shockingly shockingly he has not been uh truthful with his his constituents at sword he uh he revealed he previously claimed that Wanda stole Vision's body. And we learn here that it's it's not the case, Alex. Wanda did not steal the body. That's shocking that Hayward would lie about something. Absolutely shocking. <laughs> I mean I heard a theory on another podcast. Actually, it was reviewing last week's episode, but the guy said that Project Cataract. Like to keep an eye on that. No, yeah. no pun intended because cataracts happen in your eyes. <laughs> but, um, you know, like Project Cataract was, you know, look at what happened with Vision. He said there was probably going to be another Vision. And he was right. He was totally um, right. He was totally right. And because I think a more dangerous Vision, honestly. Yes, because this one doesn't have feelings like the other one. But we'll, we'll explain White Vision later, I think. Yeah. Yeah, white vision, uh, not not as understanding as uh, his counterpart vision. <laughs> but I just thought this, you know, kind of proves your theory about Hayward and uh, kind of confirms that he's uh, probably a scumbag. Probably most definitely, scumbag. most definitely a scumbag. And listen, I love the, I love the part in the one episode where. <laughs> Where Darcy and Wu were talking to each other, and he's like, she's like, or Jimmy's like, yeah, he's totally a. I don't want to say it, and Darcy goes, I'll say it for you. He's a, and then it flashes to him saying terrorist, <laughs> and it's funny now that it turned out to be actually true. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. And I have a uh, Thrones character comparison to make with Hayward. Oh God, let me hear it. Peter Baelish, a.k.a. Littlefinger. He does not get Littlefinger status. <laughs> you know who he is? Pulling strings without being totally truthful. Yes, but Littlefinger also, a spoiler alert, Littlefinger also got multiple people killed, and Hayward... I need to I need to see more of a CV from Hayward before I give him Littlefinger. Right now, I'll give him I'll give him Maester Pycelle for right now. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who's worse, honestly, Hayward or Pycelle. They're both pretty bad. <laughs> They're both the scum in my eyes. Not even a Maester. <laughs> Kyvern. Oh, uh, let's see here. Okay, and then uh, Wanda arrives in Westview. Um, goes. They actually picked out uh, the house they wanted, the lot they wanted. I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, Alex, I think this is the m- most, the biggest display of power we've seen in the MCU from one character. It's all these years of grief just combining into the biggest display. Again, the biggest display of power we've probably seen in the whole MCU. With maybe the again holding the star open from Thor, <laughs> yeah. We mentioned the the couple Thor exceptions and uh, the Star Lord exception, but yeah, but but yeah, like all these, like just imagine how powerful you have to be. She didn't even think about it, she just was so overwhelmed with emotion that it just happened. Like, think about what, remember it, couldn't even remember doing it, and it explains so much. Like, think about 
what's going to happen when she can control it. Right. She created a whole new vision. Out of and nothing. Out of nothing. One more, one more from the list, one more from the quotes. And it's not a, like a, a said quote, but it's written on the, um, on the proper, like whatever they call that on um, the bill of transfer, whatever um, from vision. And he just writes to grow old in V like in a little heart. And I th- I just was like, and you knew that was what broke Wanda. Yeah. And totally broke her because that's where they should have grown old in. And I thought it was instructive that at the beginning of this episode, they showed, cause you know, previously on they do, I, that's actually the name of this episode, funnily enough, but we, we just do it by uh, episode numbers, but in the previously ons for the week, they nor- they actually are doing a pretty good job of showing you relevant information that's going to be necessary. And yeah. what they one of the things they showed us this week was the two two scenarios of Vision dying right back to back. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, they're actually doing a pretty good job. So actually, pay attention to that next week, Zach. It, you might le- might learn something from it. Do you, a question. Uh, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but do you think this was direct? Did she go to see Vision's body directly after she came back from Stark's funeral? Probably. Because I couldn't tell if she was wearing the same clothes from the funeral. I'd have to go no, back and watch I don't the think Stark's so. funeral scene, but... I don't think she went directly from the funeral. But also, where was Tony's house? Oh well, uh, Tony's house and game. Where's Logan. Sword headquarters at? New York. I, if I had to guess, everything's in New York, Zach. Because Westview's in New oh. Jersey, so. Well, the actual cabin itself is in Georgia, but that's not helping me at all. Um, oh, they filmed the whole fucking <laughs> series in Georgia. <laughs> I was gonna say that's not helping me at all. If you watch Spider-Man: Homecoming, <laughs> it's painfully set in Georgia. Let's see. I don't want his mansion that was in Malibu. Oh, that that's that's uh, gone. That's f- uh, got blown up. I never saw Iron Man three, and I, I don't think I wanted to. So normal life got blown up. <laughs> um, relocated to a cabin. Let's see. Was it Start- Tennessee? Might have been Tennessee. Went to went to Tennessee in Iron Man three. It doesn't say where it is. It just says it's in North America, which is absolutely fucking not helping at all. Thanks a lot, Marvel Cinematic Universe.fandom.com. <laughs> Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> just kidding. Um, Narrows it down, doesn't it? I don't even know who you are. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's not really helpful at all. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Sword headquarters. There's a great Twitter account called Marvel Facts. And it revealed this week that the events of Iron Man 2, The Incredible Hulk, and Thor all take place in the same week. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But the MCU, like, doesn't Spider-Man Homecoming take place? I don't know what the fuck is going on with that timeline. The Spider-Man timelines are all fucked up. Because I'm pretty sure that that movie's released in 2017, but I think it takes place in 2020. I'm pretty sure. No, it couldn't have taken in uh, Homecoming. It couldn't have because that would they would have been all snapped. I don't know what the timeline is. That one, they that one they really messed up the timeline, dude. 
I don't know. No, we'll, blame lucky, Sony. we'll blame Sony for it. They're lucky no one gives a fuck. <laughs> so, <laughs> what were you saying about Sword? I mean, a Sword has to be in New York. Yeah, I mean, where else? Where else is going to be? I mean, that's that's the only logical location for it because again, everything's in New York. I wonder what they did with um, the Avengers facility after that got completely fucked up. <laughs> like, how much? How much money do you think the estate of Tony Stark paid for the damages caused by the caused by the final battle in Endgame? Do you oh, think wow. that Morgan? Do you think Morgan grew up homeless because how much they had to pay to repair <laughs> that that area? Oh my god! I don't know. I don't know. I love you three thousand dollars. Here's all you have in your bank account, honey. <laughs> the remnants of Stark Industries, three thousand dollars. <laughs> um, and then the final, the final scene here. Agatha keeps Tommy and Billy hostage still in the Scarlet Witch name drop. Alex, I'm just going to ask you, will the kids live? Will the kids live through this ordeal? I'll give it a 60-40 chance of them living. Okay. The show has already been a lot darker than most MCU entries, so I'm not going to put it past Marvel to kill their asses. How, However, I'm not doing my Stephen A voice right now because my I've already done too much Robert Baratheon today. Um... <laughs> I'm not doing the Stephen A voice, but your mother was a dumb whore with a fat ass. Gods, I was strong then. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just feel like they're not going to kill the kids. I don't know. I'm not going to put it past them. I'm absolutely not going to put it past them at this point, but I just feel like, listen, they can do a lot of things, but I think kids and puppies are the two lines that Marvel won't, won't even cross. Personally, they killed the puppy. Yes, they did. I get. Ooh, Sparky, rest in peace. Never had a chance. Sparky, only twelve-hour lifespan for a puppy ever. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel I like I think they're not. I don't think they're gonna make it. I think they're gonna stick to the the source material, and they're not gonna make it. The people, I think, will be pissed off. Like, I think people who enjoy the art of it will be happy about it. But I think, like, regular people. Oh, they'll be pissed, yeah. They are going to be pissed off. Just like sure. they're pissed with the sitcoms. Just like they're pissed with Thanos snapped in Infinity War. They just can't. They can't enjoy the story. They can't. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, though, Zach, you can kind of see where they would get pissed off there. I, I think that one's pretty, pretty easy to see why they would not enjoy kids dying. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, if they, I won't be surprised at all if the kids live because to that point, Alex, to that point, could be a line, uh, Feige and company are just not willing to cross. I, I, that's part of the reason why I think that I'm giving them the 60. If you want to service the story, the 40 becomes an 80, but I don't know. If you wanted to kill the kids, this might be a Hulu series and not a Disney Plus series. So okay, let me explain the uh, last the mid credit scene, and then I'll I'll set you up to talk about White Vision. So basically, we we cut to the uh, sword camp that we had in the last episode, where Hayward you know was preparing for all out offensive, and we find out in the mid credit scene that his all out offensive was powering the new Vision, the White Vision suit that we see. And honestly, I haven't seen the uh, two thousand nine 
Watchmen movie, but it kind of is giving me Doctor. It's giving me Doctor Manhattan vibes, just the way that they they present him. But um, yes, Vision was you know sentient, all like in all white. Um, Something was replacing the Mind Stone. So Zach, why don't you explain to the audience what White Vision is? Yes, a little history lesson here on White Vision. Uh, That's not his. uh, It's not his uh, official name, but that's his. Well, that's what people know him as. So bottom line, this is Vision. This is Vision. It's just a different version of him. Uh, he has all the same abilities minus his own consciousness. So the Vision we know and love has his own thoughts, has his own decisions he makes. This one, uh, not so much. Uh, in a 1985 issue of the Avengers comic book line, the Vision tapped into every computer system on Earth. All of them. It, including all computerized weapon systems. Tough look for all the governments in the world in an attempt to take control of the planet and bend it towards a happier future. So he had, he had some good intentions, not totally bad. Uh, the Avengers managed to convince him that this was a bad idea, but not before. Like, every government in the world had noticed and gotten very alarmed. <laughs> A few years later, writer-artist John Byrne decided to call back to the Division's aborted takeover in West Coast Avengers. Great books, by the way. Great books. Um, If you want some variety in your Avengers lineups, check out West Coast Avengers. Um, By having an international coalition of government agents, later revealed to have been manipulated by a supervillain, of course, abduct him, dismantle him, and erase his software. This achieved the goal of safeguarding all the sensitive information he'd accessed while tapped into government systems. Uh, I'm sorry, tapping into government systems around the world, but destroyed his personality and memories in the process. For various complicated reasons, there were no backups. Uh, Vision's body was rebuilt, but his consciousness was basically dead. And. He was reassembled by the Avengers uh, in an all-white color, but like I said, he's emotionless. Uh, He has no uh, feelings toward Wanda or their kids who die shortly after uh, Vision is reassembled. The relationship with Wanda, uh, spoiler, it doesn't last long. It wasn't meant to be. So, yeah, yeah. There's a little white Vision history lesson for you. Are you telling me that an emotionless Vision isn't the guy for Wanda? Is that what you're telling me, (laughs) Zachary? Ridiculous. I gotta say, if you've ever seen the movie Meet Joe Black, where uh, Brad Pitt plays the embodiment of death, and he is basically like White Vision, just emotionless and has one goal. Uh, he, he, Brad Pitt, as death, falls in love with a woman in that movie. <laughs> kind of a weird movie, but... Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I kind of some meet Joe Black vibes with White Vision. Sounds like a very weird movie. It doesn't sound like what I'd be into, Zach. Uh, it's also a three-hour movie, so it's. Oh uh, God, yeah. yeah. That's... <laughs> Listen, I struggled to make it through The Irishman. Hey, I've only seen uh, Meet Joe Black once, and I don't think I'm ever watch it. I'll ever watch it again. But uh... you're not really making it sound super enticing for me to watch, it, Zach. <laughs> I have to say. If you like Brad Pitt and you like Anthony Hopkins, it could be a movie for you. I like one thing and one thing only. <laughs> Killing Nazis. <laughs> 100 Nazi scalps. And I want my scalps. 
I can't wait for that series, Tarantino. Series. Oh, oh God, we are going. Those episodes are going to be longer than The Irishman. Oh, who goes Stieglitz? But my last question for you, Alex, before we uh, wrap it up here, what was your favorite flashback of this episode? God, it's. It's got to be between the first one and the vision one. Um, I would probably go with the vision one just because that scene is going to resonate with me personally for probably many years after. I like. I don't think I'm going to forget that scene for years. So I, I would have to go with that. What about you? I'm going to go with the childhood. I'm going to go with the childhood. I think... Uh... It just explained a lot. It explained basically the setting of the first half of the series. So um, I'm going to go with that. There's no bad choices. There, There's absolutely no bad choices between the two of those flashbacks. It, both of them are absolutely heartbreaking. So yeah, in, really in, tough, really tough. in various different ways. So I'm really glad we got this episode to get the audience back on Wanda's side because let's face it, we needed it. I needed it. Um, I thought everybody needed it. This like it was a curveball for sure, but I thought it was a really necessary curveball. I'll say, yeah, totally necessary. And like we said, the finale will be fifty minutes, and then uh, if you're upset, Wandavision's done. After that, you only have to wait two more weeks, folks, because the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is premiering on. I believe it was uh, hmm, what was it? March, March nineteenth or something. Something like that. Yep, March nineteenth. And. I didn't know it's only going to be six episodes long, but let's face it, those are two of my favorite characters. So that'll be it'll be super exciting. Um, I Zach, if you will, since I, I feel like we're done here, let me let me throw out a pop culture recommendation for the good folks, yes. the good listeners of the Cinema oh, Podcast. Yes. So this movie is getting a lot of pub, right? And it's very well done. And I told Zach he should watch this movie oh, ASAP. I'm gonna watch it. Judas and the Black Messiah. This movie, like. If you love dynamic acting performances and you love Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Sandfield, why the fuck haven't you watched this movie already? If you don't have HBO Max, I I suppose I'll take it. (laughs) But it's honestly, it's powerful. Um, Lakeith Sandfield is just batting a thousand in every movie I've seen him in. Two of the best young actors we have right now. Kaluuya, the way... So the way they told the movie, I could understand why people might not like it, right? Like, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, Major Zach, because this is something that happened in real life. The story is told through the eyes of Bill O'Neill, who snitched on Fred Hampton to the cops. And the reason they decided to do that was because Fred Hampton, at, already at 21, was like a fully formed person, right? Like, you know how most people at 21 are like, whatever Fred Hampton was Fred Hampton when he was 21 he was 21 when he died and if you look up anything about Fred Hampton Daniel Kaluuya does such a good job embodying the essence of of Fred Hampton that it doesn't matter that he's not the lead it doesn't matter that Lakeith Stanfield is lead he's that good like they should both win Oscars for it I don't know if it it came out too late for Oscar consideration but god damn if that movie doesn't win I will I'll throw a riot myself 
I will write individually. It was that good. Everything I've heard and read about it, I would agree with you. I'm going to try and watch it this week after I finish my Game of Thrones binge. But yeah, it's... Oscars have their hands full this year, and um, I'm gonna. Uh, if, if you know me at all, you know I'm gonna assume they get, they're gonna get it wrong, but uh, hopefully uh, they get this one right. I really hope so. I listen. I know that there haven't been a lot of movies this year, right? But I know a great movie when I see one, and this was a great movie. So. If you haven't seen it yet, and I know Zach will because he's a, ge- a movie degenerate, so I know he's going <laughs> to check it out at some point. But if for some reason you haven't seen Judas and the Black Messiah, it's on HBO Max. And my God, <laughs> you got to watch it. That's that's all I'll say. Well, Alex, it's uh, t- it's time to plug, as always. It's time for some shameless plugging of the Running Hook Network. So uh, what, do, what do you got? So we just um, – Battleground and – the power hour came out on the same day last week. I'll let Zach explain the battleground, but I will say Bryce speaking of poignant stuff, Bryce was probably the most important call out corner we've ever had. Yes. So go check out the battleground. It was, it was great. in like, it was great because of that. And because of so much more. So go check out the battleground, the power hour last week, we did the, the Clippers, the Raptors and the heat in that order. I may have said in the podcast, the, the heat, then the Raptors and then, Gone with the Raptors second because I love that team so much. But your Raptors, they're basically my Raptors. I don't want. I want to say I'm a Kyle Lowry fan. Zach, a take I may have may may or may not have had on the um the Raptors pod. OG Ananobi might be the Raptors' best player. Go check out why if you want to if you're intrigued. I guess you could have him. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> nope. I like Ask, the take though. He is he is very good. Listen to the pod to find out why I believe that to be the case. Um, yeah, and then the battleground, I already said, I'll let Zach take care of that. Um, Lynn Sanity, college basketball, they're killing it on college basketball. I don't pay a lick of attention to college basketball, admittedly, and they help me help me understand a lot more. Go check out Bryce and Caleb on that. Triple action pass draft is some, relatively soon, I think. And there's FCS going on, but let's face it, Zach, no one cares about FCS. No. no. So... They'll be back with uh, draft coverage relatively soon. And so explain Battleground first and then explain what what all you got coming up on cinema. You're really pumping out content here on the Circle City Cinema. I got a lot lined up for everybody. And uh, on Battleground, first of all, you're right about the the call-out corner. It was a really intense one, really important one. And you cut out a certain part that was probably for the best. Probably for the best. I uh, kind of went in on the scumbag, and I didn't. I it wasn't. It wasn't you didn't for know, uh, public consumption. You, well, it is for public consumption because it is on the podcast. I just didn't clip it. But <laughs> listen, you and JD both had a lot stronger words than Bryce did. Bryce said it more eloquently than either of you two did. But I'm not going to act like what either of you two said was wrong. So uh, I'll just say that. But uh, we we uh, we talked about uh, the Carson Wentz trade to the Colts. The Russell Wilson rumors, the trade rumors surrounding him. NBA All-Star Game, which is next week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, let's see, what else? The Ryan Saunders firing from the Timberwolves. And uh, the upcoming Canelo Alvarez fight uh, that's actually happening tonight. Uh, so go check that out. Um, and then Circle City Cinema. You're right. We got, I got a ton of content coming. Well, next week, WandaVision uh, series finale. 
Well, me and Alex will get that covered for you. We've got the Fast and Furious saga, the ca- the road to F9, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> the first episode. Listen, you, you, Bryce, Devin, and JD, like I know it's going to be a mix of the three. I knew that any of those combinations was going to make content gold, but I didn't really expect it to be that good. So you blew my expectations out of the water. I haven't even, I haven't watched the fast and the furious and it's been 10 years probably since I've seen it and I still enjoy the podcast. So well done, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And good, great job with the editing. Great job as always. Um, Next week uh, we continue that series too fast, too furious. It will be me, JD making his first appearance on the Road to Fast 9 series, and Devin returning. It is uh, Devin's favorite installment in the in the uh, Fast Saga. It's the one I've seen the most. It was the first one I ever saw in the Fast Saga, so that will be another action-packed one. And then uh, Caleb coming on next week. First installment of the favorite movie series, uh, Coming to America. And it's, it's perfect synergy, Zach, because... I knew that Coming to America was his movie. And let's face it, you have a lot coming out, so this may be a little bit of inconvenient timing. But the reason the timing is very convenient is because Coming to America comes out on Friday, March 5th. So if you want, you can listen to Coming to America and then watch Coming to America. TWO America. The sequel, baby. The sequel. Um, let's see what else do I have? I have scheduled a uh Silence of the Lambs 30th anniversary pod with my friend Cooper Ogle. I'm not sure when we're gonna record that, but uh, get ready for that. Um, I think uh, nothing else comes to mind so far. I will have the X2 monologue out at some point. You've just got a slew of content coming out right now. Oh, yes, I forgot. We don't need X2. We don't need X2 right now. I think I, I think I'm safe to hold that, Zach. X2 can X2 can wait. It can wait. It definitely doesn't need to be out right now. You have an avalanche of content coming out. We don't we don't need X2 right at this moment. It's a nice little thing to have in my back pocket, I will say. But <laughs> and uh, Coop also be on to finish off that one. Uh, X3. He thinks X3 is the best one in the original trilogy. What and is he, it with Coop and thinking the third movies he, are the best ones in trilogies? He, he couldn't be more wrong. Uh, he can't. He couldn't be more wrong. But the put, great thing about Coop is he'll defend his he'll he'll defend his takes. Yeah, at least he's honest about it. You know. <laughs> so uh, yeah, check all that content out on the Running Hook Network. And as always, folks, thanks for listening.